Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 74. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Friday, Steelers Nation on Wild Card Weekend. Unfortunately, the Pittsburgh Steelers not involved as we are in full off-season mode right now. Dave, how you doing? I'm I'm doing fine. Woke up to the uh, you know seeing the uh, Andrew McCutcheon news. I know it's got. Uh, is this a whole conspiracy Pittsburgh sports thing of uh, hey look over here, <laughs> uh, 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 look look at this, uh, look at this over here, and in the meanwhile nothing happens with the uh, with you know with the rest of the Pirates and and the Steelers hold on to Matt Canada. <laughs> <laughs> and that guy, it, it really feels like, I don't, I don't know, can we have one coming and one going today, Alex? I mean, we talked about, it, it, it certainly does feel like this Friday or today is kind of that that key day when it comes to uh, to Matt Canada, at least when you look back at kind of the, uh, the way things have transpired you know, uh, uh, recently with offensive coordinators and all. Now, uh, you look back at some of those things, you know, uh, the, the, the Bruce Arians, that was the infamous uh, Mike Tomlin statement that Bruce Arians has decided to quote, unquote, I'm using, I'm, I've got my air quotes up here, <laughs> uh, retire. And then after that, the Todd Haley uh, announcement uh, was, a you know, a, a, chose to not renew the contract. And then the, the, the Randy Feetner announcement was chose not to renew the contract. Uh, I think we have come to, at least we think we've come to the, con- boy, this is a long opening here. Uh, uh, the conclusion that, you know, Matt Canada is under contract for 2023. So talk to me, is this one big conspiracy here? <laughs> you are diving right on in. I love it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the whole, you know, Kutch thing is just for definitely the PR, but that's fine. It works for me. I mean, I'm going to go watch now some Pirates games just to go see Angie McCutcheon. But you're right today, you know, maybe you can call Monday the true line in the sand type day. But my thought was initially once the season ended, as you said, based on the history of, you know, Keith Butler, Randy Feetner, Todd Haley, when those moves were announced, it was basically four to six days after the Steelers season ended. So a Friday, kind of a new stump day into a weekend. That would make sense if Pittsburgh was going to make a move. If they were going to fire Matt Canada today would seem like the day. And so now we sit here and we wait to see if there's any announcement or no announcement at all. Canada watch 2023. (laughs) It's like, uh, will that white smoke come out of the uh, The south side? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
um, <laughs> signaling a new offensive coordinator is coming. We, we shall see, <laughs> but we don't know. I mean, I, I, the longer, I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, I, don't, I, I still the, don't know. The longer this thing drags on and the fact that we now believe, according to ESPN, at least the Canada is under contract. You know, I know that some of the local beat guys are still pretty confident the candidate is fired, and that's certainly possible. And I basically support the idea. But the longer that there is no news, the more likely it is that Canada will be back. I agree. And uh, uh, once we get, you know, I, I with 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 the contract with us coming across the contract kind of tidbit there, I don't see uh, if you do the math and look back at history, and we're very. And we, we kind of talked about this in direct message yesterday. We What we do is very kind of revolves quite a bit around trends with this team and history. And because we've been able to connect quite a few dots, you know, over the years by doing so. However, comma, you know, you got a new general manager in there in, 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 in Omar Khan. Uh, uh, obviously, you know, a new quarterback, uh, in, a franchise quarterback in town. Uh, the offense without a doubt, you know, really, really was left a lot to be desired. Let's just say, especially when it comes to explosive, explosive play standpoint and other, other key metrics like, Oh, point scoring. Uh, but within all that, you got, I think you got to go back to the kind of the root of kind of the things that, that we've looked at. And that is the fact that supposedly he is under contract for 2023 and it would be, very uncharacteristic of them to fire him, uh, uh, you know, uh, this off season, even though there's, there's, there's enough evidence to probably do so. So I don't think, I don't think everyone's in the all clear, uh, if we get through Friday, but <laughs> I, maybe he's not hiding from the Turk as much if he gets through, through, uh, through Friday. Right. Yeah, today, again, an important day, one we'll be watching closely overall. Speaking of uh, coaching moves and potential coaching changes, Brian Flores appears to be a pretty busy man. He interviewed for the Cleveland Browns D.C. job yesterday, and according to Ian Rappaport on Friday morning, the Arizona Cardinals have requested to interview Brian Flores for their vacant head coaching job after firing Cliff Kingsbury, and so I assume that'll be granted, and Flores will go interview sometime next week and so the the doors are opening for brian flores will an offer come in that's of course one you know big and, and partially separate question but flores certainly getting a lot of looks around the nfl is this smoking mirrors or is he gonna land a job i don't know in, i think, other words, I think is, is this to pacify the league you know in the rooney role and uh, oh we don't really hold all that stuff against him you know, with, I mean, with, we'll with what happened with the Dolphins, or is there a legitimate interest in in you know? Uh, I would think that probably less so as a, as a as a head coach right now. Probably more so as a defensive coordinator this time. But obviously, the the Cardinals have uh, have interviewed. I mean, th- th- that's going to be the na- that's going to be the thing that comes out of this thing, right? The narrative if he does not get a job with another team as a defensive coordinator or head coach, it's going to be. Well, they just they just did this to pacify uh, the league and the Rooney rule and all like that. Probably. I think of the two right now, it is just two Cleveland and Arizona. There could be more. But these are these are the uh, things we know right now is that the Browns one seems to be more likely. The Browns have interviewed a couple different candidates, one being Gerard Mayo. It seems like he's going to stay in New England now on a long term deal. 
maybe to be the eventual heir to Bill Belichick. Not quite sure there. So to me in Cleveland, they've interviewed, there's three others. There's Sean Desai in Seattle, Jim Schwartz of Tennessee, and then Flores. It sounds like it's going to come down to Flores versus Schwartz. Nothing is set in stone. Can't say that for a fact, but that's my feeling right now. And so if he goes anywhere, it seems like the Browns DC is the most likely path for him. Man, a lot of people are chiming in with opinions. Oh, what a, this would be a monumental loss for the Steelers. I, I don't necessarily view it that way. I mean, it, you obviously, I think, would like to retain him uh, as opposed to losing him. But, I mean, where, did, where would this register on a, oh, man, this is, you know, uh, a, a big development for the Steelers staff should he wind up, you know, taking a job elsewhere? It's hard to say, just not always knowing the exact influence and impacts that he had. We assume that he had one in terms of obviously coaching the off-ball linebackers, putting together the game plan, and and you could kind of feel maybe some of the things he brought to this defense, the three-three-five looks, and uh, you know concepts like that. Um, what I think with with Flores is just whenever he got hired in February, you knew this was a short-term short-term rental, potentially just one year. And so really, if, if he is gone after this year, you, you just recognize that was always likely to be the case. And if you could get two years and you felt like you were kind of playing with house money. So, you know, if he does go, it, it's just kind of the expectation. And by the way, for those asking, if he becomes a DC somewhere, no, this team gets no compensation. Even if he becomes head coach, this team will still not get compensation because uh, by rule, you have to be with the organization for at least two years and floors, of course, just one year. So there would not be any compensation for Pittsburgh draft pick wise. If even hypothetically, the Arizona Cardinals hire him as their next head coach. What would you say to the people right now who are screaming, oh, can't lose Flores, fire Terrell Austin and make Flores the defensive coordinator? <laughs> I would say that's not really how this whole thing works. Um, to be honest, uh, Austin, you know, someone asked me who's a better DC Flores or Austin. I really don't know, but I don't think it really matters. You know, Austin's a good DC, a good coach, not somebody you're firing just to promote Flores, who you may end up losing to a head coach job the next year for all, you know, then just, you know, would be a totally, uh, you know, backfiring type move. So, no, Flores goes, he goes again. Whenever you hired him, you understood he was overqualified for his position as senior defensive assistant, you know, off ball linebackers coach. It, it's not going to be the role he has five years from now, you know, so you understood what it was at the time. And you're not going to go just chaotically start firing coaches just to desperately try to, to, to keep him around. Right. Phil's. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's my thoughts on it as well, too. It's amazing. Kind of some of the things, some of these bloggers and whatnot will, will, will write that try to pass off as, as content. Uh, it feels more like play cape, you know, play what's the word play, play, click, play, play, play Kate to the uh, fan base here. Uh, real quick. Didn't we talk about adjusted net yards for passing attempt in the second half of the, the season the other day? And I said, I'll get those stats for you. Yeah, we did hit me with them. Uh, the, from games nine through 17 across the NFL, uh, the Steelers had the, second best defensive uh, adjusted net yards for passing attempt stat in the NFL at a blistering 4.67. Wow. And what, uh, what, uh, was it the first half of the year, just to compare? Four, uh, six, seven, it second was half? Uh, first half. Obviously, far, far worse. Probably, you know, literally worse to first almost type situation here in, which the, is uh, in the first eight games it was 7.05 <laughs> uh 
Wow. Uh, so quite, I mean, I mean, that's, that, that's an, you know, quite a difference in the second half of the season. Now, obviously TJ Watt back, right. Uh, DeMonte Casey started playing, uh, after the bye week as well too. So I think you can, you know, definitely circle, you know, certainly highlight TJ Watt and that's a captain obvious, but yeah, you know, in, 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 I, I don't think you can downplay, you know, how, you know, the, the impact that DeMonte Casey had kind of, and what they were able to finally do with him uh, during the second half of the season t- uh, as well. And then, I mean, let's face it, the quality of the competition in the second half of the season uh, versus the first half when it came, came to passing offenses uh, played a part in this thing as well. Right. It was all a combination starting with Watt then probably schedule. And then Casey's kind of the order I would, I would put those three things in, but regardless to be, you know, second best in that stat to hold, every team under 17 points or 17 fewer points for their last seven games. I don't care who you're playing. Those are pretty impressive numbers. That really is 4.67. Believe it or not, the New Orleans Saints, 4.55 in the second half of the season. Now, you can look at it and say, well, the Steelers were one of those teams that they played in the second <laughs> half uh, of, 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 of the season there. And uh, didn't New Orleans also have to play the uh, the uh, AFC uh, North and I forget who else they had to play in there. Obviously, the other, uh, you know, couple of several games against their own division. So, uh, uh, but I, I found that quite impressive. Here were the top five teams in the second half of the season. When it came to defensive adjusted net yards for passing attempt, the Saints at 4.55, the Steelers at 4.67, the Chiefs 4.99, uh, the 49ers 5.06, and the New England Patriots 5.07. Okay, yeah, that's crazy. The Saints are still in that top spot. Uh, you wouldn't think of them as one of the the top defenses in football, but right. but there you go. Interesting right. numbers. All right, circle right. us back to where we were there. I, yeah, just, I, I remember we had to get back to that stat somehow. Right. Well, your your initial thought on Brian Flores, is he gone? Is he somewhere else next year? You know what? My gut tells me he's he he's not going to get a job. Okay. Or, or at least he's not going to get one to his liking. Uh, I In just, that he wants a head coach or bust, or do you think he just doesn't want to go to Cleveland? Or uh, I just... I, I think maybe all of it there. Uh, I just, my, my, when all this, you know, when we got into the, uh, the all season here and his, his name started to circulate, I, I don't know. Just my gut was that he, he, he winds up remaining in Pittsburgh for, for another year here for, for whatever reason. I mean, do you really want to go to Cleveland at this point? I mean, I mean he interviewed for it. If he really didn't I mean, want to yeah, go, but, interview. But wouldn't you, wouldn't you inter- interview? I, I mean, I guess that you could end up getting a, kind of demerit, I guess, if you were offered a job and didn't take it, right? I just, if he didn't really want to, if he had no interest and desire to go, he just would have turned it down, uh, would, would be my thought, at least, and just unless he just wanted to get his name out there and, and kind of have that, you know, so you're not kind of in the in the shadows and, and never getting your name mentioned for interviews and uh, that kind of angle. Um, I, my thought is, you know, Arizona is probably not going to happen it could, but but I, I'm betting against it. Cleveland's the one I'm really watching. If, if, if he does not get hired by the Browns, then I'd kind of wonder what opens for him. But also, I recognize that there are still many teams without a head coach right now that are going to have to put That's that true. guy in place first before they put together their whole staff. So it may be where, let's say the Browns don't hire him. They make a hire of Jim Schwartz on Monday. 
there could be a bit of a lull and then Flores may get some more interest as teams begin to fill their GM and head coach vacancies. Wasn't Jim Schwartz in, in Cleveland before? I don't remember. He He's in his second stint with Tennessee right now. He's a consultant. There's some concern he's a bit older, may retire, and so they don't want – well, he's only 56, but – I guess he uh, he was a he was a personnel scout for them back in uh, ninety three to ninety five. For some reason, I I had a feeling that maybe he, that he was a defensive coordinator there for a year or something. But uh, he was a personnel scout back in ninety three to ninety five. He is uh, up there. Well, I mean, no, uh, fifty six. No. Yeah. Somebody had said about retirement, but yeah, he seems pretty young. Yeah, fifty six is still. I mean. In the NFL coaching circles, that's still really fairly young, you know. Uh, I think the thing with Flores, maybe one calculation is if you hire him as DC, does he become a head coach somewhere else next year? And you lose him after just one year, then you got to go find another DC. That may be one thing that may give a, a team some pause. All right. So what? What's your gut? You think he's gone? I think he either goes to Cleveland or he stays in Pittsburgh. That's my guess of it right now. Okay. Uh, Which is not really answering your question, right? Just and once again, I I don't I don't have any, you know, real reasoning behind it. It Just my my, my whole gut within this thing was, you know, I'm going to ride this out. Uh, uh, Yeah. In other words, I don't think the best situation for for potentially him uh, is going to happen this offseason. So I, I my gut tells me that he stays. Okay. Hope so. Hope you're right. Uh, Steelers adding to their offseason roster. We talked about 10 players signed to futures contracts on Monday's show uh, or Wednesday show, whenever it was. Uh, they've added seven more, including a couple of outsiders of the first wave that came in. Four players who were not Steelers to end the year. That includes wide receiver Des Fitzpatrick, defensive backs Madre Harper, Kenny Robinson, and Chris Wilcox. Fitzpatrick, probably the biggest name on the list, the former fourth-round pick of the Titans. So Robinson, a fifth-round pick of the Panthers, and a really interesting story. Uh, he's a, a whippy old kid, Western PA native, played his college ball West Virginia, got kicked out of West Virginia, went to the XFL even before he was NFL draft eligible, and then uh, became eligible for the NFL draft, got drafted by the Panthers, and has you know played a little bit since then. So Robinson, a local kid with a pretty unique background. Think uh, Wilcox is another guy that's uh, shown up in a Steeders Depot post, and well, I think we have a couple of profiles on a couple of these kids, right? Des, uh, there's uh, there's a profile on the site for him. Uh, I think there might be one or two more profiles on a couple of these guys, but Wilcox is actually a guy that showed up in a Alex Kazora what they look for post. Yeah, it's kind of funny to see all that stuff come full circle. He and, missed, I'm uh, not surprised, by the way. Where it's gotten to the point where I, I, I immediately run <laughs> <laughs> to kind of, kind of look for that stuff because you know, once again, this goes back to what we talked about at the top of the show here, right? Uh, trends and 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 things that we look for, and uh, man, you look at some of the even some of these guys that maybe don't show up on the Alex Kazora what they look for list. You go run uh, to to look at uh, Math Bomb and 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 at his site and some of the the RAS scores, and you think, yep, those are the kind of guys that the Steelers look for. But uh, Wilcox, I think, only missed one box on on one of those a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was just the three cone, and generally, if players miss, they kind of miss pretty heavy towards the three cone category, but he checked every other single box. And so um, clearly this team adding some defensive backs outside the organization to add some depth to kind of round up, round up the numbers for a future camp roster, but a very 
DB heavy focus on on these uh, on this batch of future contracts. All right, and uh, the, uh, the the regulars that are back, did you hit on them? Yeah, the Steelers signing three more yesterday. Officially, those were guys who were on the Steelers practice squad that may have been poking around a bit and deciding to probably offers on the table. They decided to finally sign and running back Anthony McFarland Jr., linebacker Chappelle Russell, and defense alignment Rennell Wren. Wren played one snap this year for Pittsburgh. McFarland was a pretty key asset in that Colts victory, and Russell spent the year on the practice squad. So McFarland, the, the biggest name here, obviously, but um, you know, Red and, and Russell included in that batch as well. I saw one beat writer say, well, you know, with uh, Benny Snell, maybe gone and, and, you know, this off season and all like that, though, uh, this will really open things up for McFarland. I, I gotta be, I, I don't see it uh, unless there's an injury to a guy like, let's say Jalen Warren or, 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 or Najee Harris uh, McFarland as your number three running back. He doesn't, it doesn't give you anything. It's always, you know, uh, the big kind of, uh, uh, and when you talk about Anthony McFarlane and is the fact that he's not, he's not an asset on special teams, unless you put him back there as a kick or punt returner. So, uh, I, I, from where I sit right now, it just feels like, a you know, kind of a, more of an insurance plan overall at the running mm-hmm. back position with, with, with anything with Anthony McFarlane. I mean, without a doubt, I mean, there was some, you know, there was some positive stuff in, 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 in that Colts game, but, uh, you know, it, it doesn't sound like people were jumping all over to get, you know, uh, offers for futures deals so far either. Right. Yeah. He's a pretty limited player in his value just as a runner, you know, receiver, meager value blocker really no value special teams very minor value overall but an experienced guy and you know if Snell does go somewhere else it's a veteran guy in that in that backfield they're, they're gonna add running backs this offseason undrafted maybe some really small for Asian signing who knows but it had that veteran depth as a potential number four entering camp that, that, that's pretty solid okay uh and will the team make any more future signings that probably feels like the list that's um, what 17. Uh, how many in total is that? 17? Probably a handful of stragglers here. Okay. Uh, yeah. maybe, maybe outside guys. Uh, uh, I think we could see. I mean, they've got them a rule of 51 right now. And obviously, they'll probably try to build the off. You know, uh, uh, I mean, they got to build it to 90, you know, uh, uh, at some point, right? Right. I have done, done the number of, of guys on our contract right now. So maybe a couple more come in. And if they do, we'll right. certainly pass that along to you guys. Dave, I know and we at talked- some point you'll be doing the break, the full breakdowns on these futures guys, right? Yeah, I'll do future report right up. Just kind of some bio, some background stuff just to get familiar with some of these names, especially the outside guys that, that are not as recognizable as the guys that were on Pittsburgh's practice squad. Dave, on Wednesday, we had talked about, had a good conversation about the Steelers' cap space, their cap situation. You wrote a full article based off of that that certainly catches some attention whenever you read about the Steelers right now, you know, technically being over the cap and in terms of the way things are structured. Um, Just kind of walk us through that again as you've kind of now officially laid things out. And again, people can go back on the site and read the full article that that has all the, the breakdowns of where this money's being allocated and importantly, where this team can and likely will create space. Yeah. But, uh, none of this is right. Right. (laughs) I mean, people, it's amazing how much pushback I get on this, you know, uh, and, uh, you can tell the people how much time I dedicate to this, right? Sure. Absolutely. 
uh, and the years that, that, that I've gone through this kind of, you know, kind of stuff and learning it and all. And let me just lay out there that the Steelers now do have a, uh, a working rule of 51, uh, thanks to players they have under contract now or the, the futures guys uh, uh, signed at this point. So that gives us a, a really, really good uh, starting space right now. Uh, as far as my projections go, people say, well, why don't your numbers match, let's say, over the cap and all like that? Well, look, uh, Alex Highsmith and Kevin Dotson have both qualified for, for proven, proven performance escalators, okay? That raise this offseason in the next several weeks is going to going to hit. Why, why wouldn't you start including that in your numbers? Over the cap it does not yet. Uh, but I do. Uh, I want to give people as, as realistic as a look as there is right now. So my numbers include the increase of, uh, of, of Alex Highsmith and Kevin Dotson. Uh, the role of 51 that, that over the cap is working with still includes uh, Cam Sutton and Jesse Davis in there uh, with, with uh, dead money amounts for Cam Sutton and zero cost for Jesse Davis. Uh, why is that kind of different? Because Sutton and Davis are both going to have their contracts void in, 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 in the first part of November or uh, February here. And then they're going to be outside, you know, uh, be treated as upcoming free agents. So I do not include either of those two players as holding a top 51 roster spot. I have Cam Sutton moved over to the dead money part right now at $2.1 million uh, there. So that's another minor change that I have versus some of these other, uh, uh, you know, other uh, cap, you know, uh, websites and all like that. Can I, can uh, I interrupt you go, just, go just ahead, really quickly? Um, just for, for clarification, as you pointed out, because some people get confused by this, when Cam Sutton's deal voids, he does not automatically become a free agent at that point. He just becomes a free agent when the new league year begins, correct? Right. As far okay. as I can see, there's no language in there that instantly makes him a street free agent. In other words, it, it's as if uh, you're, you're, you're truncating his service come the end of the NFL year, which the NFL year runs until the new year starts in March. Okay. So it's not, uh, to my understanding, he will become, oh, you know, like, like Ben last year, he will become right. uh, at March, uh, in March, he will then become an unrestricted free agent. So there, you know, they still could, you know, it's not like he's available to all teams at that point. Right. That's what I wanted to, because some people I think get confused about that. So I just wanted to make that part crystal right, clear. Right. And right, and that and that's to my, you know, I don't actually have access to seeing the contract, but from talking to, to other people, that that's how it's going to work with him. It's, it's just as his, his future years void, and it makes it that he becomes an unrestricted free agent in March at that point there. Gotcha. Uh, okay. When you put all this math together and you work off of a rule of 51 prior to the three players being signed to future deals on on uh, on Thursday, uh, and I had a little math problem because I actually had I, I initially factored in Alex Highsmith at a higher uh uh, proven performance escalator rate. I was playing with my spreadsheet and I didn't back a number out and I carried it over, but it ended up making a one point something million dollar difference in here. Uh, they are as of yesterday or as of yesterday morning, they were 167,618 
dollars under the cap. So just under the cap uh, as of uh, yesterday morning. Now, uh, the 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 signings of these three other guys, McFarland and Russell and 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 Wren, uh, actually move them to the other side where they're where they're slightly over the cap at this point. But I think the the and what another thing that I factor in is the uh, off season bonus placeholder that the CBA always puts in puts in on these teams uh, right after the season. And that's that, that number this year is going to be 849,600. So why not go ahead and account for that uh, uh, there? Uh, once again, my numbers are going to look a little different than over the cap because I'm, I'm, go I'm accounting for things that are definitely going to happen here in the next few weeks, you know, with the mm -hmm. uh, proven performance escalator raises and the uh, 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 off-season bonus placeholder there. Uh, the biggest takeaway here is that the team really doesn't have any cap space right now, right? right. Uh, and I think that's the thing that's most blowing the people away. And they're saying, yeah, remember we had that conversation the other day, Alex, about you know, ESPN showing you this one number. Well, a lot of these numbers people have been seeing have been with like, you know, well, I don't forget what number was, 36 or whatever, 37, 38 players under contract for 2022. It has not been a filled out rule of 51. It has not uh, taken into account the proven performance escalator raises, nor has it taken into the account the uh, the uh, the offseason roster bonus uh, thing. I think people are going to quickly see here, and then and you know, and in fact, I think over the caps already updated some of their uh, uh, future contract deals and all like that. I think people are going to say, "Oh, you know what? Dave was right all the time." Uh, and and the biggest takeaway here, once again, is that the team is right around dead even of, of what a 2000, what an expected 2020, $225 million, uh, 2023 cap number is going to be. Now, is there, you know, I, I, that even probably surprised you, right, Alex? You know, when we had to talk the other day that, that the team was this close or, or, you know. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't thought about it too much, but, you know, I was under the just, hearing what we talked about, this team is going to be okay. Cap wise. I not thinking about the numbers, you know, very in depth. It, it did surprise me to see how up against it they were. Uh, once again, and, I, and here's something else I didn't mention in all that. Uh, we kind of got the, the unofficial official report on Thursday that this team is expected to roll over a little more than $4.4 .4 million in salary cap space from 2022. Uh, to 2023, and immediately I get asked, have you accounted for that? Yes, that's all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. uh, look, Alex and Matthew can tell you how anal, uh, and and I am anal on several le levels uh, here, uh, you know, how infatuated I am with this, that I, I, I leave no, no, no stone, stone unturned when it comes to following this. So yes, I've already accounted for the 4.4 rollover. And didn't we during, you know, midway through or, or the latter part of the season, we say we expect them to roll over around 4 million. Uh, yeah. We in, talked about that in, in, in salary cap space. I guess the biggest uh, coming out of this, me laying out uh, what we just did is the question is, moving forward is how concerned should people be about this right now? And I, I've said all along is it, it's not a concern here because first and foremost, we both expect William Jackson, the third to either have his deal reworked 
all the way down to the minimum or be gone, right? Absolutely. He's not going to play for the $12 million he's owed next year. Really, just just cut him outright. Don't even try to bring him back would be my plan. But if you do bring him back, it is going to be for a, a heavily 90% type reduced rate. And that, that itself is going to clear up a, a big chunk of cap space. Exactly. And if you cut him and uh, being as how it's a nice round 750,000 at the end of that 12 million number there, 12.75 million, a rookie salary is 750,000. You do the roster displacement math. I don't even have to take my shoes off of that. Uh, It clears $12 million uh, after roster displacement with a rookie contract in there. That 12 million would instantly get you cap compliant. Uh, by more than $10 million right now at that point there. So uh, voila, we've got you some working space for, for early and free agency. Now, will they be done? Will they, <laughs> as Chuck Noll used to say, right? The problem <laughs> isn't uh, cutting, uh, it's stopping. <laughs> uh, Akella Witherspoon, what are you going to do with him, Alex? I mean, there's $4 million potential when it comes to, to him. A lot of people are throwing out Miles Jack as a potential uh, cap casualty in clearing $8 million in cap space uh, uh, before uh, uh, roster displacement there. Uh, Mitch Trubisky is somebody that you really have to consider what's going to happen there. There's $8 million to be saved there. Let's just uh, let's let's say one of Miles Jack or 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 Mitch Trubisky's gone, and let's say that uh, uh, Akella Witherspoon is gone. I mean that that's another twelve million dollars in salary cap right there. If both Jack and Trubisky are gone and Witherspoon are gone, that's twenty million dollars in cap space uh, that 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 you've managed to clear uh, right there. And then on top of that, you have potential restructures of TJ Watt. Who else? Minka. Minka. And I don't think they'll need to, but uh, Deontay Johnson is there. If you need another 4.71 million, I'll be surprised because of the, look, I don't even want to get into projected future salary cap expenses because it apparently drives people mad, mad, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Because. They, and we've talked about this in the past. There's lot there, there there's lines in the sand as the offseason progresses that you have to pay attention to. Like it or not, you've got to account for the rookie pool, the 52nd, 53rd player, the practice squad, the injured reserve, and and the nine million dollars this team wants to keep in in available salary cap space to start a season. But nobody wants to wants to acknowledge that for some reason. I don't, I don't know why. Is it is it because I'm 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 the I'm the bad guy that runs into the party and and, <laughs> and pops all the balloons or what? I mean, yeah, it's just one of those pesky things that you forget about because it's kind of the it's, it's one of the last lines in the sand that you want to account for when you get into the summer and, you know, you're really setting things up for, for in season. So, and it's a pretty large amount of money. It's $21 million. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, um, but, but, and, and no, it, it does not happen now, but that stuff has to, it doesn't go away. It had 20, that, that's a $21 million basically cap charge that you have to be able to afford at some point during the off season. Uh, 
do you does it impact uh, uh, now free agency? No, but at some point that stuff has to be accounted for, and it just so happens that if you fully restructure Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick, that's twenty two million dollars. All right, okay. so twenty two million there covers the 21 million down the road at some point. So then it becomes how much cutting do you want to do of freeing up? And, and is there going to be any, 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 uh, 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 you know, surprise. Yeah. Yeah. You know, surprise releases. Is there going to be any new contracts or or extensions? I should say like a high Smith or something like that, you know, on, on top of there. So, uh, don't don't be worried about it because there are means means to to, to clear up this money here that they'll, that they'll need they'll be able to approach free agency uh, in a in a normal manner uh, you know and I think the biggest question at this point is Alex is who gets cut yeah uh, well, I we think already we already Jackson, agree William Jackson's one of them. I think Jackson is one and then when you shed light on the, the how up against it they are right now and kind of needing to clear cap space, I would say that Trubisky probably becomes the, at least the second, given just his likely unhappiness being the backup. Um, Tomlin's whole, you know, volunteers, not hostages approach and the amount of money you could save uh, by releasing Trubisky and then signing another veteran type quarterback for, you know, a, a fraction of that cost. All right. Uh, what are you doing with Miles Jack? Yeah, I think this one's a bit tricky. Um, I thought he played pretty poorly down the stretch, certainly hampered by the groin injury. The guy really couldn't run, and you know, he was losing snaps at a pretty heavy clip. But given the other free agents in that inside linebacker room of Devin Bush, Marcus Allen, Robert Spillane, I wouldn't consider cutting Jack until I at least I knew one of those guys would be back. I think Spillane is the most likely name to return. Bush is gone. Allen's kind of a coin flip and he's a special team or it's not going to really impact your actual inside linebacker room. Mark Robinson ascending, um, you know, he could have a role next year. You probably hold on to Jack into the summer, but he's not a guarantee to make the week one roster. At the very least, he's going to make it. Uh, it feels like he's going, Jack's going to make it to the, the start of the uh, past the start of the new league year when you need to be cap compliant, right? I would think so. Yes. That's where I'm at right now as well, too. And uh, where it goes from there, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see. But uh, uh, so if, if indeed that's the case, it really puts the magnifying glass on Mitch Trubisky. Right. Because Witherspoon is also a little bit in that Jack conversation where you have some for Asians. What happens with Cam Sutton? Do you really want to cut Witherspoon? Not knowing yeah. for sure if Sutton's yeah. returning. Get him out and the it's, door. And it, <laughs> okay, you do. But it's also not saving you as much money either. It's a little bit of a chunk of change, but it's not the $8 million of Trubisky or what, you know, Miles Jack's going to uh, save you as well. So I'm a little less, you know, you feel like you have to do it right now. Uh, Trubisky and Jackson, to me, is probably the good starting point. Uh, a lot of people are throwing out the name Gunnar Olszewski uh, as a guy that should be uh, an automatic uh, pre-New League year uh, cut. Let me let me tell you while while he could potentially be a guy that doesn't make it overall. I mean, you're talking about a two million dollar base salary, and people forget the roster displacement. I mean, subtract seven hundred fifty thousand from that two million, and you get what one point two five million. 
Uh, is it really worth cutting him by March 15th to save $1.25 million in cap space? Yeah, I mean, you know, you could argue it both ways. He doesn't really have a role or a home right now, and every little little bit of money counts, but it's not going to significantly move the needle in terms of what you may be trying to accomplish in free agency. All right, so once again, we agreed that the names, the biggest name to kind of watch was uh, uh, or is uh, Jackson, Trubisky, uh, Jack, and Witherspoon would be the would be the highlighted guys here. I would say so, yes. With Jackson being a no-brainer, Trubisky, I think more likely than not. Jack, probably not, at least not right now. Witherspoon, to me, is kind of that 50-50 guy. Okay. But you feel like Witherspoon's more likely to be cut before the start of the new league year than not. Is that accurate? I, I feel like that should be the move. Uh, okay. and I, and, and, and if you put me on the spot and say, do I think it will happen? Yeah, I think, I think you, I think you get him out the door. I, okay. I think they fair, do. I mean, it's fair. Yeah. It was a disaster of a season. I mean, there, there's no question about that, but just given some of the uncertainty with cam, not tremendous cornerback depth, Pierre restricted. I mean, you can obviously retain him without much hassle if you, if you tender him, um, but just not having a super strong cornerback room. I could see him sticking around. Maybe he's a post-draft cut if you drafted a corner high, something like that. Okay. All right. Uh, anything else on the cap? I think you laid it out well. And it just, you know, we got some pushback on that. Obviously, people surprised by the numbers, but it's just really important to know that starting point to then really be able to understand, hey, these are the moves this team will probably have to make to, to clear up that cap space. How can they get to having space to have an active free agency like we expect? And that's where you really, because for me, I thought, you know, with Trubisky, before we kind of dove into these numbers the other day, I thought maybe he returns as a backup trusted guy, but seeing these numbers, it's really hard to justify keeping him to and not clear up that cap space. Um, it just doesn't seem to be worth it. Do you think you can trade him in that no. eight million eight million salary by by March fifteenth? Uh, uh, no, I just think it's too expensive for a guy that got benched four weeks into the season. What 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 does it feel like his value is uh right now? Four million his actual financial, yeah, yeah. I probably I mean backup quarterbacks still get paid. He's got experience, he's not, you know, he's pretty young still. Yeah, I would say four to five million. If you went to him and said you'd mind cutting that down in half from eight million to four million, what 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 do you think he'll tell you? I think he'll punch you in the face for benching <laughs> him and then asking for a pay cut. I don't think he's gonna be uh, open to that. He, I think he wants out of Pittsburgh. I think he would love to just go somewhere else. He tried Pittsburgh, he basically said he regrets making this move and, and, and signing on the first day. He wants a fresh start. I think you're correct. All right. Anything else with the cap? I think Dulac thinks that's going to happen too, right? Yeah. He always puts these things in the chat. So they're never reports, but they're just, I think, his way of kind of, you know, hinting at some stuff that he believes. And so we talked about he thinks Trubisky's cut and also mentioned his team. I don't know if he said the team would have interest or if it just would make sense for this team to to reunite with Josh Dobbs. But that's a thought that I'm sure um, will come up quite a bit this offseason. Is Josh Dobbs sort of like these uh, Andrew McCutcheon of <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, maybe a little less sentimental. I mean, right, he, you know, he would right. fit. It'd be, I'd be fine with that. As a he's a great guy. You cannot yeah. help but root for him. You know it. Sure, uh, he's mobile, and they're going to want a probably a mobile quarterback and pick it whatever go down. So that kind of you know keeps the the, the similar uh, sameness of the offense. Um, does Dobbs want to come to back to Pittsburgh? We kind of got a raw deep. I'm back in training camp and. What was it, 2021? You know, him basically getting zero training camp reps, admitted he was frustrated by it. 
Pittsburgh's pretty good at spurning their backup quarterbacks, and you just wonder if he would want to come back, if Tennessee will resign him. There's an opportunity there potentially, or he may get some looks around the NFL, but it, it makes sense. I mean, there's a potential of him being the new age Charlie Batch here, if, you, if you're if you honest about it, another four years, right? Three years or whatever? Yeah, I mean, you know, a guy that I think can be a, a solid number two that's going to run your offense Very well, analytical. Smart, prepared, um, can run, the mobility's an asset. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's a, you know, a very economically friendly number two type quarterback. Yeah, I think uh, it comes back to, uh, like you said, you know, the, you know, I, you have to, I think you have to pay him a little bit more than minimum to as a, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I, I just wonder if he just says, I don't want to go back to Pittsburgh. I got right. a raw deal there before. I mean, obviously it'd be a different situation with Ben gone. You'd be the number two in all likelihood. Uh, but, you know, it's probably going to have some interest around the NFL. So it's not like Pittsburgh's going to be his only option, I imagine. Would would you be for that? Yeah, I'd be for that. I mean, I haven't I, looked I at the whole too. list of, of veteran free agents. It, it won't be the only name I've kind of talked about. A Mike White, potentially, maybe a Heineke in Washington. But I think Dobbs would be just fine. I'm with you. It wouldn't be a huge move the needle thing, but it it, it, it would feel right. Yeah, I think it would. So we'll see. I mean, he's got to, you know, we'll see if Tennessee resigns and what happens there. And then we'll kind of, you know, if Trubisky gets cut, take it all step by step. So speaking of free agency, Dave, you've done your uh, work on outlining the Steelers free agents. We talked about the exclusive rights players, the restricted free agents on Wednesday show. Now you've had articles on the unrestricted free agents, both offense and defense, defense going up earlier today on Steelers Depot. You and I will focus on the offensive guys today in, in this episode, and then on Monday, we'll come back to the defensive free agents. So let's kind of run down the list of the offensive guys. It's less interesting, less consequential than the defense, but still a couple names to note, starting with tight end Zach Gentry. Um, draft pick of this team has grown number two tight end, the blocking type of guy. What happens with Zach Gentry? Uh, first and foremost, thoughts on Zach kind of, well, how do you feel about Zach Gentry's 2022 season? How would think, you label, label it? Yeah, a little disappointing. I thought his blocking wasn't as strong as it was two years ago. Um, maybe made a bit more of an impact in the past game. Had that uh, screen against the Bengals, caught a 21-yard pass in the finale against the Browns, but a, a little underwhelming. Yeah, I'd say uh, nondescript underwhelming. Is that like that? If that was like a steak temperature or something like that, you get your steak as nondescript. <laughs> I think you got to find some new restaurants. <laughs> nondescript, underwhelming. <laughs> uh, I, I, I wanted more. I wanted more there. I wanted a little more. Didn't get it. But within that, uh, he, he did a little something in the passing game. Uh, it just, it's so hard to see him, even though they, to me, it feels like they could upgrade this in in the draft in like a fifth round selection. It just it feels like they're, they're going to want him back on maybe a two year modest deal. Uh, my only question about that is, man, we have seen the tight end market, you know, with the CJ Uzamas and uh, I mean, uh, name some of the name Jesse James, right. uh, uh, some of the guys that have gotten deals. And if you look at the the list of free agents. Or at least the guy is kind of scheduled to be free agents right now, unrestricted at the tight end position. It, you know, I I kind of characterize this. It, you know, the best is Gentry, the best looking ugly girl at the high school dance. You know all about those, don't, don't you? Alex? Oh God, I never went to a high school dance. <laughs> oh, you did? Oh, I'm oh, sweating okay. right now just thinking about that. Oh, uh, horrible. 
you know, you know, and things usually work out okay for the best looking ugly girl at the high school dance, right? I, you, do you they? Know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you're the expert on this, apparently. Uh, but but you get you get where the analogy's sort of coming from there. Sure. I mean, he's uh, you 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 look at that list and you stare at it long enough, and you think, you know, Zach Gentry might not be so bad when you look at that list right now. Yeah, I think he comes back um, even with kind of the down season. They like his size. You know, Mike Tomlin's talked about the value of having that, you know, legitimate six, seven type tight end that can block four, three ends when you play the Bengals or other even front teams. Although teams are becoming more multiple, even teams like the Saints that run more variety and hybrid type scheme, you know, still blocking Cam Jordan and and that type of player. And to have a, a Fry Muth or certainly a Connor Hayward, that's not going to work too well. And so there's there's continuity there. Um, he knows his role. It's established pretty well. I want to see him improve a bit and, and get back to where he was in 2021 as a run blocker, provided that no team comes in and, you know, really blows away with a Jesse James type offer, which I think is a little less likely because at least James Uzama, they had more chops as a receiver. They were more involved in that aspect of it, which brought their, their value up less of the case with, with Zach Gentry. Bottom line is I think, you know, a, a fairly reasonable deal, will bring Gentry back to Pittsburgh. I agree with you. I, I, where I sit right now, I will be, I would be pretty surprised if he's not back on, let's say a two year deal. Now how much is that? Like 6 million, two year, uh, 6 million type contract. Yeah, I, I'm thinking, uh, I'm, I might be under, I'm think I have four and a half million per in my head. Oh, wow. So two years, 9 million. Yeah. Okay. I mean, maybe I'm undershooting it just given the cap going up in the market. I mean, I could be, I'm probably a, little bit, a bit under on that. Oh, what'd you have? Two years, six million? Yeah, I'm just spitballing oh. ideas, giving it not much thought. Okay, I'm thinking it, it, it should be somewhere around what we just uh, For some reason, I have two years, like nine million in my head. I mean, that could be right. I typically kind of undershoot some of these things, and we still a pretty young guy, so not breaking the bank either way. All right, Derek, fullback. Derek, Derek Watts, yeah. next one on this list. And like it or not, Alex, even though people like to frame that four million or whatever cap hit that he had, uh, that wasn't his doing, folks. That was the Steelers restructuring a contract that, that resulted in that. He his, his he earned two point seven five million in two thousand and twenty two, and maybe you can make an argument that that was uh, three quarters of a million too much, maybe when it comes to him, but. The fact of the matter is it, it wasn't like, at least to me, he was, he, he, you know, once again, maybe three quarters of a million too high, but that that's it. I mean, he didn't knock the socks off, uh, but he, uh, he did, I think have more touches than he's had in his NFL career in a single season. He's still, you'd like to have seen him make more of an impact on special teams, I think overall, but, uh, you know, they were able to get him on the field a little bit and, uh, you know, I guess the biggest question is, is will he, you know, tip his hat and retire with his, with, 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 with his older brother, JJ here? Yeah. I don't know what's in his head. I don't really get the sense. He's looking to retire right now, probably play as long as the NFL will let him. He didn't make the, the money that JJ did that kind of allows that maybe earlier than expected type retirement. Hasn't had the injuries that JJ has had as well. Uh, it, this one's a little hard to read. I think obviously before the season, you figured this guy's you know pretty much gone. Now, could you bring him back on a one-year deal? That's pretty cheap. That offers essentially no guarantee. He'll be on the 53 man roster. I think that's possible. You know, what happens to Matt Canada if Canada stays? 
Does that increase the odds of Watt returning as well, given maybe they found some ways to use him in the third and short you know, run game this year, some goal line packages? That's possible. But if he does return, it's going to be you know a one-year deal that should be pretty cheap. Yeah, I, and even if you had to do a two-year deal with, you know, to, to make yeah, the to money look the better, money, yeah. uh, you you'd only I, I think you'd do so with the idea that he's probably only going to play one year. So uh, I think in totality, if you the most I want to see him get in cash, I think is two point five million dollars uh, uh, this off season. Now that two point five would be base salary and signing bonus combined. If there's a multi year deal, if it's a one year deal, I don't think they would do. Go go that route. I think you're more looking at a, a number under two million there. But I think there is a decent people are not probably not going to want to hear this, but I think there's a decent chance that he's back. Yeah, it, it can really go either way. And I'm not going to be too upset if he goes or if he stays. I mean, there is special teams value, a you know, four phase guy. He did get more involved in the offense this year, although I think that role offensively is, you know, you could replace that relatively easily. But um I'll say the odds have gone up since where they were before the season. But again, I can really take it or leave it with Derek Watt. Mason Rudolph. He's gone. If, that's a, that's a short conversation. He gone. If he gone, if Mason Rudolph was a, a racehorse, he would be out of the gate quicker than <laughs> any, any other. Uh, we'd be talking about, uh, you know, Ma- Mason's quick out of the gate. Uh, he's going to be super quick out of the, the unrestricted free agent gate, not looking back. It's going to be like the Forrest Gump, uh, gif of him, him, him running away. Uh, uh, I don't expect him back and and you obviously don't either. So that's a short conversation. I love me some miles Boykin, Alex. And I think you do as well too. I do. Yeah. That's one guy that one of those sneaky free agents that's easy, easy to forget about being claimed off waivers last summer, only playing, you know, I don't know, 50 or so offensive snaps this year. I think seeing, two targets the entire year and one was in that week one game when that three ball, three targets three two targets. catches all right there you go um but being a really core and valuable special teamer as a gunner to me he's one of the best gunners in football this year um being able to to beat vices and stay clean make an impact there i forget exactly how many tackles he had but just the impact he he had on special teams was important so knocking off a lot as a receiver he did work late in the season in that heavy you know one receiver sets as a run blocker and had mild success there. So there's a bit of, you know, heavy personnel run blocking to, to him, but as a special teamer, he's worth bringing back. Uh, 10 total special teams tackles in 2022. Nine of those uh, 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 were uh, the primary, uh, primary variety where he was termed the primary tackler uh, in okay. those situations. And he led the team in the primary special team tackles category, not the overall uh, 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 total tackles, but uh, to me, it feels like a guy that man. If you if you can get him back on a on a veteran minimum contract with a uh, with with the you know uh, max allocated signing bonus for that, uh, I think you try to do that. I mean, can you get him back on it? Will it, would it take a two year deal to get him back? Uh, I'm not so sure about that. I mean, there's not much. I I think he's back. Pl- plain and simple, I think he's back on a cheap deal. I think so too. Um, I know that he would love to be more as a receiver, but he's kind of found a role in the niche in in Pittsburgh, Baltimore. You know, he was as he was a special teamer in Baltimore. He was a receiver early in his career, fell out of favor, but I think he just likes playing in Pittsburgh. If I had to guess, so I think he returns as well. Here's a tough one: Benny Snell football. 
it's kind of similar to Boykin, I guess, in terms of that, you know, not so much the position they play, but it is that that special teams value. I, I've always appreciated and respected Snell for buying in to special teams after being, you know, one, literally one of the best runners in SEC history um, ever. But yeah, with, with Snell, I, I'd like to have him back. But it's all it's all about price and whether he wants to come back. But if he can be on a probably a Boykin type deal for a year or two years, you know, for really cheap, then I'm all for that. He likes Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin likes him, but uh, they're not going to like him on the uh, on the uh, on on the payroll uh, sheet. Especially maybe is is there a team out there that that's going to have cap space to say is uh, here's here's two point five million dollars as part of maybe a two two year deal up you know in in two two and a half million dollars in cash in 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 two thousand twenty three for you to be. Uh, you know, at best or second or backup or, or at worst our third, third string special teams, uh, ace kind of guy, uh, is there a team that might pay him, be willing to pay him a little bit more than the Steelers would be this off season? I mean, you can never rule it out. That happened to, you know, Ray Ray McLeod last year where the 49ers gave him a, a good offer, different, you know, return man, different role, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Pittsburgh would probably value him higher than most other teams just being around him the most and knowing, the, the real nitty gritty of his value guys only 24 still. So mm-hmm. he's still pretty young. I, I'd bring him back. And then your running back room is, is essentially set with Harris, Warren, Snell, McFarland, number four, bringing an undrafted guy that you, that you love so much. Your running back room. Don't have to touch it the rest of the way. Gut feeling is he's back. Yes. Mine as well. Trent Scott. Trent Scott, the Pat Meyer favorite, followed him around his whole career. Um, six offensive linemen this year, played one snap at a right tackle on a core four left for literally just one play this season. If he comes back, it is truly veteran minimum type deal. Take it, leave it. His actual play was fine, I guess. There really isn't a lot to note. Right, and uh, uh, outside of playing the one uh, uh, snap at tackle, the other 30 snaps were as a tackle eligible, more goal line, short yardage situation kind of, I mean, it didn't stick out as ugly, but they, those snaps were what they were. Uh, if I'm fine with bringing them back, just what, you know, just, it's gotta be a minimum salary deal where you can cut him. And you could say the same about Jesse, Jesse Davis acquired yeah. from Minnesota. I, I now that's a guy. I that, think there's more meat on the bone there you than think, you do. I don't, I don't, yeah, I'd let him go just because I want to find a better, more quality, maybe swing guy. You could argue that because his team traded for him, this would be more incentive to keep him around for at least one year. Um, I think this team has to add better, more quality offensive line depth, and I just don't want to get complacent by running it back with the same guys as last year. I use him as a break glass in case of emergency offseason re-signing kind of deal, meaning that uh, God forbid if I draft a kid and he gets hurt or, or what have you, uh, I can turn to this guy uh, as as an experienced depth guy uh, overall. Uh, I once again I don't I don't sign him for more than a, I sign him for the minimum. I, I sign him to a veteran benefit contract with the max amount of signing bonus, uh, which well, I don't know what it is, hundred sixty thousand, whatever it is, uh, uh, in 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 two thousand twenty three. That's the way I sign him. That way, if I need to cut him, just like Trent Scott. But uh, uh, I think there's a, a some meat on the bone that's worth keeping around this off season. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, obviously, 
re-signing Jesse Davis or not will not make or break the Steelers right. offseason. So, I mean, it can go either way. If, if you re-sign him, you certainly can still bring in another veteran for agent for more, a more substantial contract if you wanted to. So it's not going to keep me up at night. But would I personally re-sign him? No, I'd let him, I'd let him go. All right. So uh, do you think that they'll, they'll let him go? It really, it could go either way. What do we base it off of? Very little guy didn't right. play a single snap this year offensively. Um, I, I'll say no, but. I'll, I'll say yes. Knows. What What's your thoughts on Trent Scott? I'll say yes, just because he's the Pat Meyer guy. I'll say yes. I'll say yes on both of these guys on minimum salary deals. Uh, Anthony Miller, we're probably going to agree on this one, too. Yeah, probably not. Just that shoulder injury seemed pretty nasty last year. You know, he's played in Pittsburgh or he didn't play this past year, but was in Pittsburgh the year before caught what one pass. I think you just let that guy go. I think you just send him on his way as well, too. You gave it a chance. It didn't work out. Uh, He's not going to really give you anything on special teams. I don't think, I mean, even though he did kind of return, you know, have, I think returned some, I mean, he's primarily, primarily, uh, a slot guy. I mean, he can play the X and the slot. So I sure. think there, there is some exper- experience value there, but I mean, uh, here's the thing is if you bring him back, it's got to be a minimum, a veteran benefit contract with him. It's not going to move the needle. It's going to be one of those things that, I mean, look, I, I tell you what he did, what impressed me uh, the most is that guy looked jacked up. <laughs> <laughs> During this, during the OTA programs and the and the beginning of training camp at all, I mean, he looked like in fantastic physical condition. Uh, but I mean, that that's we didn't get to see anything more than that. So I I just think you let that guy go on his way. Yeah, same again. Doesn't move the needle too much either way, but I would expect him to to not be brought back. All right. All right, so really in terms of the big names here to watch for, it's, it's Zach Gentry. When that's your biggest name, it's a pretty quiet offseason on that side of the football. Watt, Boykin, and Snell are really the only names that offer any level of intrigue, assuming and very safely so that Rudolph is 100% gone. Right. It, it really comes down to, like, will they keep Trubisky as one of your biggest offensive offseason questions? Will they address it? It's all more non-free agency-related things in the sense of Trubisky. Do they address offensive line? If so, how do they address receiver? Um, those type of things are more interesting than really their free agency list. Yeah. What do you do at the slot? Yo, do, do you address the slot position in the draft? Maybe, you know, I think there's a strong possibility of that. What's going to happen with Gentry and does the offensive line, do they run it back or do they want to make an upgrade? I mean, at I, left I, I, at left guard? I think you've got to draft at least one or two of those positions. It's just a but matter start, of where. Yeah, but uh, are you drafting for somebody to compete and start day one, or is it purely depth? I think if, if something's there in those first three rounds, that either at at, uh, at at really any of the positions, probably more so guard uh, uh, than tackle. I, I I don't I don't turn my nose up at the idea of that. Uh, I think you will see the offensive line address within the first three or four rounds of the draft and possibly even two offensive linemen in the draft in, in a whole, they have got to make the at the very least, they've got to make the depth of this offensive line better. They do. Yeah. Because they can't expect this team to be as incredibly healthy as it was this year. That's almost certainly not going to happen again. Here's let me rephrase the question. Will the starting five of 2022 be the starting five in week one of 2023? Yes. (laughs) You think? Yes. I think it will be. 
It's been trending uh, that way. Dotson's the one I've still been mixed on. He did play certainly better the back half of the year. He's just such a frustrating player that I really can't trust. That's a hard guy to sit there and, and allow to be the starter throughout this whole process. Now, now, now you, you were specific in week one in that. Now, does that mean you can't draft a guy and then, you know, uh, he ends up, you know, by week three being the starter. I think that's a possibility, but, but as I sit here right now today, yeah, I, I have this feeling and, and a lot of people you're asking what I think the team will do, right? Right. Yes. What what do you think will actually happen? Okay. That's what I think will happen. It'll be the same five that ended, uh, 2022 as your week one, 2023 starting five bar barring injury, of course. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe a little less confident than you, but I've certainly been thinking about it being more and more likely just given the continuity, certainly the growth and development. And from Pittsburgh's standpoint, do they want to sit there and say the group has gotten better? They played, you know, certainly solid football by the end of the season. Do we want to risk messing with that? And let's just kind of leave it as it is. You can certainly make that argument to me. Center, right guard, right tackle, not changing left tackle. I'm higher on Dan Moore than most people. Left guard's the one I still sit there and go, if I could really get an opportunity on day two, one of those second round picks to find a left guard, to be more of that guy that I can trust, to be more consistent, better above the neck, I would certainly look into that. I think round two is kind of a sweet spot for guards, just generally speaking. I would look at that. But again, Dotson, to his credit, did play better the last I don't know, four to six weeks of the season. Okay, write all that down just in case I'm right. <laughs> all right, there you go. <laughs> Anything else? There? I think that's, uh, again, we'll cover defense on Monday. That list, more consequential, more expensive, more interesting to discuss and debate, but the offense, certainly a couple of names we wanted to address there. So good job on you to really break this down so well for people to get a good off-season feel of what to expect and what guys are are pending for agents. Yeah. And I have now completed all my primers. My, my, uh, my, uh, half of my off season work is now done. Uh, uh, <laughs> with, it takes me a while to pound all that stuff out, uh, there, but the defensive, the, 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 the one with the 10 defensive players went up today unrestricted. And within that post, the link are, are links to, uh, the four in the series there. So, uh, you can get caught up real quick and they're, they're pretty extensive reads, right? Yeah, but they're informative and they're really good, like you said, primer to get you ready for uh, March. All right, Dave, anything else you want to talk about? If not, we can start getting ready for wildcard weekend. But, uh, wh- 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 which way? You want to go to the email machine or do you want to go to uh, our, our picks, uh, my bookie or what? Yeah, let's uh, we'll make our picks here in a moment. Let's hear from our friends over at my bookie and then tackle wildcard weekend. All right, uh, it's a new year, new you, so give yourself a fresh start with my bookie. Whether you bet to earn or to make the games more exciting, my bookie gives you the most for your money with their redesigned deposit bonus. Just use promo code TERRIBLE, that's promo code TERRIBLE, on a deposit of $50 or more to receive a cash bonus instantly to your my bookie account. Using the bonus, using this bonus is quite simple, really. Bet your deposit amount just once and you're ready to cash out. It's no strings attached with my bookie. Bet on the NFL, UFC, or play for a share of big cash prizes in the weekly online blackjack tournaments they have. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and win, like my bookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. 
the new deposit bonus is a 10% cash bonus on any first-time deposit bonus up to $2,000. The minimum deposit amount is $50 and the maximum bonus amount is $200. This bonus only has a one-time playthrough amount, which means that the bonus doesn't lock you in, which is a major pain point for online gambler, gamblers. Focus on the cash-in, cash-out aspect of this bonus and not the percentage amount. Once again, use promo code terrible terrible at my bookie to take advantage of this new promo that they're doing on a uh, uh, new deposit bonus here. All right. And we thank our friends over at my bookie, just uh, one quick note and it really kind of demonstrates how much we're scraping the bottom of the barrel when it comes to news from the athletic Matt Canada was at the Steelers facility today. So the news of the day is man goes to work. So apparently <laughs> that is a uh, worth uh, tweeting out, but that is the news, which is of course is really just no news. What was the uh, what was the meme or something or the uh, the clip from like ESPN or something that you had the other day uh, that was funny that you posted because it's not really news but someone made it news. What 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 was that? I, whenever you start these things with what is that meme, I have to really start the hunt to try to figure I, out. It, it was a screenshot or something of a. Uh, 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 something framed as news that really wasn't news or something. Was it CNN or something? Like, I forget. Uh, oh, the 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 joke about the breaking Titanic sunk a hundred years ago. <laughs> yeah. That was in our DMs. Yeah, that was one of my favorite uh, Chirons ever. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you call it? They call the Chiron. That's the graphic that shows up on the screen. That's uh, the TV production worth. Oh, it. okay. Yeah. You're using these fancy uh, uh, <laughs> that's words. That, you used that's in that college. Clarion Public School education for you. Chiron. How, Chiron. How, can you can, can you use it in a sentence? The uh, language of, of origin, yes. Yeah. C-H-R-Y-O-N, I think. Chiron. Okay. All yeah. right. I, I did not know that. Yeah, Sorry yeah, to bring I, down the, we're all joking. And then I got all serious for a second. I, so. I know. Yeah. Bring down, you make, <laughs> you, 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 I, this is your way of talking down to me, isn't it? Just me being a nerd and just why. Yeah. You're just I, trying I, to I talk down on my education or lack thereof. Is all what right. it is. Let's make our wildcard weekend picks, Dave. All right, Seattle Seahawks. How how I'm I'm really excited excited just to sit back and watch some football this week. I you know uh, with the Steelers out of it here. Seahawks on the road against the 49ers. Whoo, 49ers at home laying nine and a half Ooh. against the Seahawks. Yeah, big line, but that 49ers defense, man, Brock Purdy, what a job he's done a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I know that system has been friendly to him, and it's you know got a good defense and a in a run game, but I don't care, man. Seventh round pick, really playing well. Going with the 49ers. I think the 49ers win this. I think that um that extra half point there, I think it's going to come in handy for me, Alex. Give me the Seahawks plus nine and a half uh, on the road against the 49ers. How about this one? This one should be a decent one. The Chargers go on the road and play the uh, the AFC South champion Jacksonville Jaguars. The Chargers are two and a half point road favorites in this mm. one. You know, it was so interesting to, to see the Chargers play their guys in week 18. Mike Williams gets hurt, hasn't practiced all week, status up in the air. You know, for as much as we talked about the turnaround that Pittsburgh had, Jacksonville had the same exact turnaround. And, of course, they got into the playoffs. So what a credit to Doug Peterson and that group. I'm going Jacksonville. I think they'd be an, uh, they can upset this Chargers team with Trevor Lawrence. With the way this offense is, just the way this team is trended, they have confidence, you know, winning and clinching the South in week 18. Give me the Jags. 
Yeah, I think this is where Vegas is taking uh, taking advantage of uh, people's. Uh, oh, uh, look how the cute Jaguars and the <laughs> cute puppy syndrome here. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is a trap, Alex. Uh, 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 a field goal. This is a field goal game. The Chargers come out top uh, on top uh, with with that by three points here. So I'm taking the Chargers laying the two and a half points. It's a really trap. quick. You, you, you saying that just struck my memory. Talk about an Adrian McCutcheon. They're definitely just signed McCutcheon because they're going to trade Brian Reynolds in like two days. So this is definitely uh, the get you happy about McCutcheon as they send Reynolds to the Yankees or Rangers or wherever. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Shiny, shiny little uh, new yeah. toy here. Look at this tinsel over here. Uh, this uh, is definitely that, like the happy meal before your parents get divorced. Like this is the scenario the Pirates uh, are running right now. hundred percent. Miami Dolphins on the road against the Buffalo Bills. Bills laying 13 and a half against the Dolphins here. Yeah, the Dolphins. I know that McDaniel said the other day they're proceeding with the assumption that Skylar Thompson will start. Tua will not play. Teddy still could, but it sounds like it's going to be Thompson against this Bills team. You know, just it's going to be Buffalo by how much is the question. I'm still going to go with the bills to, uh, to cover that. Yeah. This feels like a take you out behind uh, the barn and give it to you pretty good here. Uh, I'm yeah. laying the 13 and a half with you here. New York football giants on the road against the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are laying three points against the G man here. Could this be upset alert as well? Wildcard weekends usually pretty wild as the name implies. Um, you know, I don't know what the reason is, but some about just the job Ryan Dable has done. I'm going to go with the Giants in this one. It's just that weird random upset. Man, it's going to be so – that's got to be one of the loudest places to play, right? I mean, at least based on what what, you, what the feeling I get on TV, it feels like that place gets loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's going to – I think crowd – I think all that energy is going to make a difference in this game. Give me the Vikings, and I'll lay the three points in this one. The Ravens on the road against the Bengals. Back-to-back weeks, these two teams play – Back-to-back weeks, there's not going to be – well, it's been multiple weeks now, but <laughs> uh, no Lamar Jackson in this one. Uh, the Bengals, nine-and-a-half-point home favorites. The disrespected uh, Bengals because of the way they were treated you know, with the whole you know home field advantage thing, yada, yada. Nine-and-a-half points at home favored against the Ravens. Yeah, again, this kind of feels like Bengals will win, but by how much the Ravens defense is still stout and you have to give them credit that secondary can match up against all the the Bengals skill guys. But, you know, if it's Tyler Huntley versus Joe Burrow, give me Cincinnati. As we talked about, this is a bit down the road, but what happens with Lamar? What do you do with Jackson to me is is the number one question and the most difficult question any team has to face this offseason. Boy, I'd be careful with that. And, he, you know, franchise tagging him is just going to, piss him off more <laughs> but here, here's a dilemma that you want to do you invest the money in him long term given the injury history but you also see how valuable he is to your franchise because the second he doesn't play your offense just totally tanks i don't sign him to that big deal i just don't i just don't i can't what do you do with him i tag and trade him if i can that, that seems like that, that idea has gotten momentum lately. That might be the path that the Baltimore's on. But then, of course, what does Baltimore do? Where does he go? What do they get? All big, important questions. Yeah, I don't know. I can't. I can't. Uh, I, and we've talked about this being a, a big decision that the Ravens are going to have for a while here. Uh, I, I, I can't do it. I can't. I can't. I can't give them that money. Uh, it's Bang- fair. Bengals minus nine and a half. All right. There you go. 
what what are you doing? You do, I'm going you, Bengals. Yeah, I'm going. Okay, Bengals. okay, yeah. I'm going. Uh, the only the only way they don't do this is if uh, Week One Joe Burrow shows up. Mm, the interceptions and the, right. the offensive line issues. Yeah, right. fair point. Fair point. Uh, Dallas Cowboys on the road against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Believe it or not, Cowboys only favored by two and a half in this one. You know, I really wrestled with this one on paper. The Cowboys are the better team, more explosive offense. The Buccaneers have had so many issues this year. But, you know, just thinking about this thing, macro level, big picture, it's Tom Brady, the best playoff player in essentially, you know, sports history. It's like him and Michael Jordan versus the Cowboys, who just seem to find a way to give the game away every single time they get into the postseason. So on paper, I think the Cowboys are the better team, but they just kind of find a way to screw things up. That's been their MO for the last 20 years in the postseason. So do you bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs? I'm not. I'm going to go with Tampa Bay. Yeah, I was hoping you'd go to the Dallas Cowboys way because <laughs> just what you laid out is exactly yeah. kind of my thoughts. It's, it's it's Tom freaking Brady here we're talking about. And yeah, I know he hadn't been great and, and yada, yada, but uh, and I, I, I think just defensively, they'll have kind of a game plan uh, to try to keep the score down in this one and don't give that damn ball back to Tom late in the game. That's all I got to say here. I, I have to take, I want to go different from you, but I, but I, I, this is one that I have circled as an upset here. Give me the Buccaneers plus two and a half uh, points uh, at home against the, uh, against the Cowboys. Do we disagree on any picks? Are we different? Oh, yeah. Anything? We disagreed on the uh, the first one, the, uh, uh, the Seahawks and the 49ers. I oh, had the yeah. Seahawks covering. Okay. Uh, I had the, ja- uh, the, the, the Chargers uh, covering the two and a half points. Okay. Uh, and we differed on the Vikings and Giants as well, too. Oh, you so did I- take Minnesota. Right. Okay. My bad. Okay. Uh, right. Gotcha. Right, we so did different. We, we've good. got uh, three, three, uh, three different games here. All right, it's going to be a good weekend. What game are you most looking forward to just from an entertainment standpoint, putting aside the odds and anything like that? What do you think will be just the best game of the weekend? I think it'll be the Chargers and Jaguars. I think so, too. I think that's going to be a really close game. And I think the second one that we might end up talking about is, boy, what about that Giants-Vikings game? Yeah, I think, I mean, Dable is going to be coach of the year. I know some people have said, you know, could Tomlin have gotten it? Doug Peterson probably could get it in Jacksonville too. Um, but I think Dave is going to get the award uh, this year. All right. I uh, got those knocked out here. All right. Let's get to some reader emails and close out today's show. Okay. The email machine we go sort them real quick. And we'll start with Chris Warren writes in free agency. Can you give us a sense of how difficult it might be to extend Deontay Johnson while re-signing Sutton Edmonds and Casey? First and foremost there, why are you going to extend Deontay Johnson? You just gave him a uh, Deontay Johnson extension last year. So, uh, and I, there's, there's no reason. And they, they probably, they shouldn't, uh, uh, extend Deontay Johnson, uh, re-signing Sutton will be the hardest thing. I think of, of the lot there, uh, Edmonds and Casey allow, if you will, Chris, uh, I just wrote up the, uh, Alex, I just talked about the offensive, uh, restricted free agents. I just wrote up the defensive restricted free agents, uh, today, uh, this morning. Uh, we will be discussing those in, at, at, at length on the Monday show here, barring nothing going crazy here. So 
let us table that in, in, until Monday. But you know, to, to to the root of this, that they're they're not going to extend Deontay Johnson. Uh, he says, I uh, he's, he goes on to say, I say go get a starting caliber defensive tackle in the first two rounds. Uh, he says, I I think Larry O will be more expensive than expected. He'll get a two to three year deal worth eight million dollars. Uh, thanks as always. Can't wait for the tr- tremendous draft coverage. Thanks for the email, Chris. We'll hit most of that when we uh, go over the uh, uh, defensive restricted free agents on Monday. Uh, Jordan uh, Pearsall writes in, hello, Dave and Alex. I'm Jordan from Central Pennsylvania, the best Steelers podcast, and it's not even close. Thanks, Jordan. Thank you. Uh, In my group chat, one of my friends said we had the most delusional fan base in the NFL. Half of your fan base wants Tomlin gone because y'all missed the playoffs. Uh, Both of your quarterbacks finished with more interceptions than TDs on the season. Uh, the fact that this man got y'all to a winning record, I don't even know was possible. Uh, he says, so my question for you two is, do you know if there's another head coach in the last 30 years that have had two quarterbacks that started at least five games, both finished the season with more interceptions than touchdowns, and the coach still finished with a winning record? That's a great question, Jordan. Uh, I don't know if Alex can plug it into the machine quick enough. Probably not to get an answer there for you, but that is a really good thought out question, Jordan. It is. I imagine it's a very short list if it's ever happened before. So he's asking starting at least five games. He says, do you know if there's another head coach in the last 30 years that have had two quarterbacks that started at least five games each and both finished the season with more interceptions than touchdowns? I mean, it's a fairly Drilled that I, I'm going to say that that you know that'll you know the, the parameters alone are going to be un, impossible to match. Uh, yeah, just but, not but a lot of did, circumstances. There's probably been a couple examples of that happening. I doubt those teams with the winning, winning record, record though. Right, yeah. right. So uh, interesting way he framed the question. Maybe maybe Alex can look that up if he gets bored here in the next. Although now that I put it out there, Alex will as soon as I'm already looking, this. but this is going to take, it, it would take a lot of time to do. So I cannot answer that right now. Unfortunately. Right. Right. All right. Let's go to the next one. Lee Greenspan writes in first off. Uh, and I, I just hear Alex saying, I got to find out. I'm what? looking up the 2012 Arizona Cardinals. My first thought went to John Skelton. Uh, right. And in 2012, the Cardinals went five and 11. So the losing record, um, Kevin Kolb started five games. He threw more touchdowns than picks. Skelton started six games, had two touchdowns, nine picks. Ryan Lindley uh, started four games, threw no touchdowns, seven picks. So that's kind of ish the example. Uh, and they went five and 11. So just as, as one reference, a, a similar situation, a quarterback roulette and the Cardinals were, were terrible that year under former Steelers OC, Ken Wisenhunt. Oh, there you go. Uh, Lee Greenspan writes in, first of all, thank you both for another great season. Really great content put out consistently from the Steelers Depot crew. Thank you, Lee. He says, I have two questions as we move into the off season. What's your level of concern with Boswell going into next season? He says, we are paying him top kicker dollars and no doubt we need a better season from him. Number, uh, and second, on Monday's podcast, your key unrestricted free agents to keep uh, didn't mention Larry Ogue and Joby. He says, was this an oversight? Do you think his age play will drop? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, the second part of your question, Lee, is we kind of answered that. Uh, we're doing we, we're doing the uh, we did the unrestricted in offensive and defensive categories there. So uh, 
and I think in the previous shows, all we did was we we talked about the restricted and the and the exclusive rights guys. So uh, bear with us, Lee, until Monday. We just hit the offensive uh, unrestricted guys today. Recap: We will hit the. We promise we will hit the uh, eleven unrestricted free agents, of which Larry Ogan Joby is one of, on the Monday show. So there's you know. Uh, stay, stay patient on that. Uh, Alex, you're concerned about Boswell. I really don't have any. This happened in 2018. There was frankly more reason for concern back then. He nearly got cut mid season, um, had the injury. He, you know, I think he talked to some reporters and said, you know, the injury wasn't a factor. The missed time was that's all one and the same to me. So, you know, I think boss has bounced back before it bounced back again. I'm not I, I'm not concerned about it until I have a re- reason in 2023 to be concerned about it uh, for, the, for all the reasons that you mentioned. Uh, he bounced back before and I was worried about him that last time. Remember, I was the sure. I was the one sending up the oh, my God, uh, kickers are weird people uh, flag up there. But he ended up correcting that. So because of that, I got to give him the benefit of the doubt that he'll get it straight this next time. I mean, even if you had doubt, like, what do you do? Do you sign a right. kicker? Do you go trap him? You're not going to do that. You're going to roll right. with boss until, uh, you know, until otherwise. Uh, Roger Johnstone writes in, in the interest of putting the 2022 Steelers and Mike Tomlin's performance in context and to compare apples to apples, how does the 2022 Steelers nine and eight record compare with the other teams in recent years, starting rookie quarterbacks to dial it down even further? How about teams starting rookies in year one? following the retirement departure of a franchise quarterback. Oh Lord, he's going to send us down another rabbit hole there. Uh, any initial thoughts of kind of way he laid that out? I mean, I, it's I have a looked. messy question. I mean, it's, it's everything trying to compare that. I understand you're trying to do apples to apples, but I mean, different situations. When did that rookie start? What were the pieces around it? Was it a new coaching staff? Usually that happens with the rookie quarterbacks. Again, I I've always compared this 2022 team to, where the Patriots were at in uh, 2020, I guess it would have been the first year post Tom Brady, whatever year that was, where they went, what, seven and nine. They didn't have a, a rookie quarterback right away. It was Cam Newton, but that veteran bridge guy to start was kind of their Mitch Trubisky. They get Mac Jones the next year. That's kind of where I view Pittsburgh being on that similar path. And, and so I don't really have any conclusions or takeaways to comparing this year versus the success or failures of other teams in semi-similar situations. All I really focus on is just where this team is at, where they need to go to to compete and, and win a playoff game. Uh, number two part of this question, do you think Connor Hayward could possibly take up Derek Watts' limited snaps at fullback and also provide core special teams work at a cheaper price and then find a bigger, better blocking third tight end uh, there? First and foremost, Connor's already a core special teamer, so you're not going to, he's not going to absorb Derek Watts. Both those guys are core special teamers. So you're not going to absorb special team snaps there. The question becomes, can he, can he uh, absorb Watts limited fullback uh, snaps? And I think that's yet to be determined. Uh, There's nothing from what we've seen that he yet, that, that would give us great comfort that he could be a lead fullback. Or or, yeah, but or or do the Watt role. How often does Watt really lead block? You know, True. a little bit, but he wasn't. He actually, you know, touched the ball quite a bit this year. So, you know, you could probably make it work. Hayward's not that lead blocker type like a Rosie Nix, and I guess what Watt has done in very limited situations. 
Um, but there's a way you could probably make it work if Watt wasn't around to expand Hayward's role a bit as that H-back off-ball tight end, some of the boot stuff they do, throw it to the flat. Um, that would make sense for Hayward. So they're not one-to-one. They're different skill sets. There's probably a way to make it work, though. Sure. Uh, and as we just talked about, Watt, I mean, it's, it's not unthinkable that he's not back and it's not it wouldn't be the end of the world. But uh, it will be interesting to see if, if, if Hayward is used more in the in the kind of a backfield role uh, as things get get going during the offseason there. He says he's been listening and reading to the sites for several years now. He says, uh, we really appreciate your work, although you are pushing it a few times lately with the on-air research. Let me tell you why, why, why that's what we do, Roger, because if Alex and I were just talking in general uh, to each other on a call, we would be go, well, let me look that up. You know, That's what we have done before, and 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 we have done that in the past with just conversations with e- with each other, and we want to try, and we've always wanted to try to keep this podcast with just two guys excited to talk to each other about football with the rest with you know twenty thousand of you listening in, you know, and do do we kind of go a little bit overboard at times? Yeah, uh, but. I don't think we're going to change who we are in, in that aspect of it. Right, Alex? Yeah, I mean, it's a fair critique. We probably can be a bit better. We don't want dead air and, and, and that type of stuff. But we just hate having the unanswered questions for right. ourselves and I think for the and listeners. for the listeners, you know, right. Yeah. So I, I think Because we don't we do know if we're going to be able to circle back to them with the ant, you know, we'll forget or, you know, or something. So Right, or like 1,800 other stories come up right. with the new cycle work. So, yeah, I mean, point, point well taken. We'll try to tighten it up a bit, but it just kind of baked into, I think, Dave and our DNA. Uh, Michael's got Michael Moore's got a long one here. Uh, uh, I think first and foremost, he says, uh, let, let's just answer the first part of it. Every, every episode is good, but particularly enjoyed the discussion on Wednesday's show. The, the discussion of the adjusted net yards for passing attempt highlighted something we obviously already knew, which is this offense needs some improvement big time. He says his question in short is, how do you even do that? I'm sorry, can you repeat the question one more time? Uh, He says the discussion we had about the adjusted net yards for passing attempt highlighted something we obviously already knew. This offense needs some improvement big time. He says question is short. How do you even do that? How do you how do you how do you improve the offense big time? And that's that's Hmm. that's a hugely loaded question. Uh, I mean, big place, big time, big place. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's 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 got to be explosive plays. It's got to be. Uh, switch routes. It's got to be. I mean, it. it that, that's an extremely loaded question uh, here. It's got to be, but you know, uh, it's got to be your quarterback willing to push the football down the down the field. It's got to be. Can your can your running game produce more explosive plays? I doubt that it can. Uh, it's 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 a great question that the that they're going to have to answer to to sit here and and draw it out. I mean. It, it's kind of impossible to do that. I mean, how, how, how do you even do that? Uh, they're going to have to find a way to do it. And, and it's going to have to come. Like you said, we got to see more explosive plays period. Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm trying to pull up the teams that had the most explosive plays this year. Statheads uh, being a little slow, but I imagine the teams that had the most explosive big plays also led in that adjusted net yards per passing attempt category. So that's, I'm sure there's a pretty clear correlation there. So now how do you do that? As Dave said, variety of ways to do that personnel scheme, the return of Calvin Austin potentially could offer that among other things, including the growth of this offense, growth of Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, et cetera. 
Um, so some of that's natural and you just kind of expect that to happen as this young offense, you know, gets through its growing pains and really hits the ground running in year number two um, for Kenny Pickett for this offense. Um, but in big picture, how do you improve that number? It is too big place. I thought Dustin Horst has a, uh, that's a new name. Uh, great job this season. Thank you for the best Steelers coverage question. Seeing as Matt Canada leaves a lot to be desired from the OC position. Can you pinpoint why we should be excited about Pickett? He says, I want Kenny to succeed, but how can we get an accurate read on him with a poor OC? Uh, by the way, Jadavian Clowney is uh, blaming the media for his words being taken out of context for his uh, comments about Moss Garrett. So mm, okay. uh, that, that, not that it matters too much to any singer, anybody. Um, how does Pickett improve? I mean, it, yeah, this validity to the question, but if Kenny Pickett truly is the franchise guy that Pittsburgh drafted him to be, then you can probably overcome those things. And certainly Pickett progressed and, you know, showed improvement down the stretch despite having Canada as his OC. So it's not where you're destined to suck and never going to improve, even if Canada is not the uh, the Andy Reid of our generation. Uh, he you know he wants Kenny to succeed, but how do we get an accurate read on him with a poor OC? I think the accurate read is seeing him make some of these plays out of structure uh, this year. Right. Uh, I think uh, the accuracy. Uh, is a nut that which we sh- we we kind of already knew coming out of college, but he he confirmed he could have the accuracy at the NFL level. Uh, the uh, just the general, I I think the the the, the awareness at the line of scrimmage and and the appearance of him uh, uh, seeming like he knows what he's looking at across the line of uh, scrimmage, uh, and you know. The, the, the ice in the veins, the ability to, you know, even, even games that, that top to bottom in the first 56 minutes of action weren't great, but the final three or four were, you know, uh, right. I think, I think that's where we at least take some comfort and I, you'll be careful at how I'm phrasing this, some comfort on getting an accurate read of his play to date and with the idea that hopefully in the next six games we'll we'll be able to see him build off of that i think that's how you get the accurate read of just what i laid out right there i think you're 100 right and i understand there's a trickiness and difficulty to it and you could say the oc is going to hamper a bad oc is going to hamper a quarterback to an extent but i also don't want to sit there and say that we can't judge Pickett just because of Canada, which essentially puts the blame on Canada for everything the Pickett would ever do wrong in the future. Um, there's still ways to evaluate, still ways to judge it. And while, of course, the OC is very critical, I think it's worth noting this team has a pretty good quarterbacks coach in Mike Sullivan, who works closer with Pickett than anybody else. Now, again, he doesn't call the plays. That's Canada's job, obviously. Um, but that's another important component. And I believe that Pittsburgh has a pretty good guy working with Kenny Pickett on a, on a daily basis. Uh, Troy Paplomatis writes in, uh, Dave, you look at that originally, I think it says Troy Palomalo, but, uh, <laughs> big uh, fan of the show. D- Dave and Alex writes in knowing the students historically do not make big splashes in free agency. What is the number one position group this team should address in free agency? He says, obviously adding depth in the trenches needs to be at the top of the top priority, but do you look to make a big move for a corner or inside linebacker? Thanks for the best coverage out there. So what, uh, what is the number one position group this team should address in free agency? 
Well, I, we've talked about how I think D-line's the biggest area of need for this team right now. If you made me choose one, but does that mean it has to be addressed or should be addressed in free agency? It just depends on what's out there, the player, the scheme fit, the age, the contract, all of those variables. So it's hard to really sit there and say we need to address X in free agency just because you never quite know what the pool of players going to be in all the circumstances. So when people ask this kind of stuff or what position should they draft in the first round, everything's so interlinked based on free agency and draft. They're really not separate entities in terms of how you evaluate roster building and improving your team. Um, so again, D line is the biggest need right now across the board, but you don't have to guarantee that ha- that, 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 that has to be addressed and fixed in free agency. I mean, if you can go get a Javon Hargrave, go freaking get him if that's going to be your splash, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's it could be. Yeah. But to, but, to answer those things in a vacuum, right. What, what, what if Hargrave's resigned? Right. Then, you know, all those variables that aren't entirely in your control. Right. What is the most likeliest position uh, that, you know, it was, it was, I, you know, I think dollar, dollar for dollar and, posi- you know, position, it, it was probably James Daniel uh, last year, right? As, in terms as, of their best signing? Well, as far as their kind of their top, oh yeah, he was their uh, big splash. Top, yeah. their their big splash by Pittsburgh standards. Yes, right. Daniels was their big splash. Yeah. All right. Uh, what what position group is most likely to be the big splash when the whatever it is, you know, eight, nine, ten, twelve million. What what position group is most likely to be referred to a year from now as a saying? Looking back and say that was the biggest splash they made. Yeah, I mean, again, it just comes down to to what's available, what's out there. I think I think trenches largely is how Weidel's going to build this team, Weidel and Omar Khan, and I think D-line's more likely than O-line right now. So I would still stick with that D-line answer. But if there's nothing out there, there's nothing out there. You can't make it happen if there's no free agent more signing or nobody who wants to come here or whatever the case is for a million reasons why a deal might not get done. Um, you could look towards you know, a backup offensive lineman, a veteran swing guy makes sense, a veteran slot receiver makes sense. You know, those kinds of things I kind of expect are probably going to happen in free agency on smaller scales. Um, I think D-line's the biggest need. We'll have the biggest splash, whether that's draft or free agency, but I can't guarantee that's going to come in free agency. Could it be inside linebacker this time? I mean, that gets back to, I mean, Tremaine Edmonds, or Tremaine Edmonds' name will be mentioned a million times this offseason. I think... The way this, I think the way that Wido wants to build this thing is inside out. And if you have a good inside linebacker, uh, even pair, but a bad defensive line, then it's hard to maximize the value of that off-ball player. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm not going to, I'm not going to rule anything out. Um, but I think trenches is, is where you'll see the biggest splash during the offseason, be it draft or free agency. All right, one last one, Damian Hunt. Hey guys, enjoy the show. Would it be would it be smart? Would it be a smart move to trade up in the draft and take Jalen Carter at defensive tackle? He says the team has been lacking at that position for years now and is in need of one badly. Uh, I mean, I've obviously <laughs> seen a lot of Jalen Carter. I haven't drilled down on him, but uh, don't, you know he's going to be one of the top defensive tackles in this class. Obviously, here, mm-hmm. uh, you know, will he be on the board at seventeen? Probably not. Uh, uh, would it be smart to trade up? I'll, I'll say this about about the idea of trading up. I doubt the Steelers trade up in the first round this year. Yeah, again, I hate to be this wishy-washy, but it's always hard to answer these questions. How far are you moving up? What's the cost? What's all, What else is on the board? What have you addressed in for agency? What have you lost? I mean, there's so many variables to make it so difficult. 
I agree that a, a trade up is probably unlikely. Had this conversation last year with Jordan Davis out of Georgia, and Eagles ended up going up to get him. Pittsburgh takes their quarterback, so it's a it seems like a pretty deep defensive line group. Um, and, and Carter may not be the perfect prospect, but some some may think that he is, and so probably not going to happen there. But again, to answer those things so early in a vacuum like that, it's just really tough to do. All right, all right. Uh, shall we end it there? Yeah, we can wrap things up. Do want to note here on Monday, our, our draft profiles will start. Jonathan Hightritter will have one on an SEC player, a lineman. I won't give any more information than that, but our first uh, 2023 NFL draft player profile will go up. I know you guys look forward to that, and we're certainly excited about that as well. I think we've got another one already in can, maybe an offensive lineman as well too, right? That you can throw alongside of it there? SEC? Yeah, that may go up Monday or, or uh, Tuesday. Yeah, there'll be an offense alignment. So uh, trench heavy to start our draft process. All right. Uh, we were looking to hopefully maybe do 250 of those this offseason, uh, uh, God willing. So uh, anyway, in the meantime, uh, and we are also continuing the uh, 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 the series that, that you guys started uh, that I've got to fill mine out on. The uh, the awards, yeah. The awards, yeah, yeah. Th- those I think Matthew Marks went up today, I think. Or uh, Josh is today. Josh, yeah. Josh, and then today. Jonathan. When do you put? You know when you want to post yours. <laughs> if we're, when I get one in round two, it's uh, all right. So uh, next week. Uh, ho- hopefully next week sometime. All right. Okay. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Studers Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazara. Oh, uh, Alex, fantastic article on Demarvin Leal this morning. Uh, 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 pump that. Do we do we hit that early in the show or no? No, we didn't talk about it today. We talked about it some, I guess, on Wednesday, but some of the ideas and things we've talked about on Twitter, you and I, I think on the podcast as well, just uh, wrote it into an, art- or in- into an article called the DeMarvin Leal Dilemma in terms of what the team will do with him. Is What is he? Is he a defense alignment, a hybrid guy? What is the best way to use him? I kind of outline how I personally would use him. And it's actually, frankly, basically how Pittsburgh used him this year. But I think him being moved into a full-time defense alignment role not the best thing for him, not the best thing for this defense. Uh, look, get by the site uh, right now and read that. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow uh, Alex at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show uh, at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to, uh, don't we got some all pros coming in here, Alex? Okay. A- well, then let's wrap a- this thing up. AP All Pros, real quick. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, first team uh, safety All Pro, uh, second team All Pro. Any Steelers on here? Doesn't look Cam? like no it. Cam? There. No Cam? Ah, uh, that doesn't, sucks. Doesn't, doesn't look like it there. Uh, looks like Minka's the only one uh, there. Uh, fa- email the terrible podcast at gmail.com. Uh, donate uh, steedersdepot.com hit the donate button also if you uh, want to get an ad free steedersdepot.com hit the ad free button upright navigational bar have a great weekend and as always thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with dave and alex